so often people ask us, why do we go to Rwanda? Why do we do missions? What's the point? And the point is the cross. If we're going to be in heaven, every tongue and tribe and nation worshiping together, wouldn't it make sense that we'd start getting together before we get there? Wouldn't that make sense? So what does that look like? So Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 to 12 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them fails, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who fails when there's not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if we lie down together, they, they keep, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, who can resist him? A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. Father, I thank you. Thank you for my brother Paul and the word that he gave. And it's just so wonderful. It's the same message around the world. And it's so wonderful. Thank you, Father, for your scripture. Thank you for Simeon and how he has brought us together. Simeon and Julia, and it's a visible, physical sign of we are brought together. Thank you for this church family here and in Rwanda. Father, be glorified. Amen. So this Ecclesiastes is a book that Song of that Solomon wrote, and, and he's talking about what's the point of life. He had more money than than anybody. He had more buildings and architecture and library and training and learning and a thousand wives. And he says he didn't deny himself anything. There's no entertainment he didn't deny himself. No pleasure he didn't deny himself. There's nothing he did that he denied himself of. And he says that's all meaningless. It means nothing. As Paul said, that people have much, much money, but they're empty, commit suicide, because it means nothing. So why strive for things that mean nothing? What means something is relationships that will last forever. I will recognize Paul in heaven. I'm absolutely convinced of that. And we'll recognize each other see each other all the stuff who cares about the stuff will be together so the point of Ecclesiastes what, what he ends up in the end of Ecclesiastes says that nothing matters except to worship the Lord worship God, that's it so we worship him together now there's three words that, that I want to talk about, one is relationships the other one is tasks task and the other one is provision and uh, uh, the, the, the point of, that Ecclesiastes is saying is that if you walk by yourself, you can be easily defeated. Um, so I need, uh, I need somebody who's willing to walk by himself to be easily defeated. Greg is walking already. Look at that. This is a good thing. You can keep coming. You're doing fine. So as Greg walks here, walk, keep walking by himself, there are those around him who are going to defeat him. I need some defeaters to defeat him. Who will defeat Greg? A whole bunch of you. There we go. I need more more defeaters. Not just one defeater, one to one. That's not fair. I want him. Come on, more defeaters. There's no defeaters who are going to defeat Greg. More defeaters. More guys that are going to tear him down. So you got to slam him to the ground. Slam him to the ground. No, no, not. No, no, do it. Do it. Grab him. Put him down. You can do it. You can do it. 
Put, put, do it, do it. Put them down. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Thank you, Greg. Wait a minute. All of you defeaters, you stay here. D- Greg, stay here, defeaters. Matt, you want to come here for a sec? Now, I need Greg to not be alone because he's easily defeated when he's alone. You see? So now Matt's going to join him. And he's going to pick him up. There you go. Pick him up. Yeah, you raise him up. And now they'll be together. There you go. Now I want you to throw those two guys to the ground. (laughs) Okay, break. Uh, Darnell, I need you to come up here for a second. Make it fast. <laughs> okay, so come up a little further, you guys. Greg, Matt. So here's Greg and Matt. So first of all, Greg was walking and by himself, he was somewhat easily defeated. When Matt joined him, it was virtually, it was getting a lot harder. Now guess what, Darnell, you're on this side. Okay, guys. Thank you. We've made our point. You can all sit in. <laughs> when we're by ourselves, we're easily defeated. When we're together with another, it's a lot harder to be defeated because we watch out for each other. And we have that relationship and we care for each other. And when we're together, sometimes we say things to each other that maybe if somebody else is eavesdropping, they're saying, you're talking harsh things. Why would you talk harsh things? And it's, it's because we love each other. We talk harsh things. We need to talk things that are difficult because we love each other. But if there's three together, the odds of you beating those three together are slim to none. This is a verse often used in marriage, talking about husband, wife, and the Holy Spirit tying us together. The point I want to make is it's that it's about relationships. And we, in all of these things, as Christians, as Calvary Chapel people, as Adipur, Rwanda people, each of us has a responsibility. And... I am totally responsible for all my relationships. I take responsibility for each of my relationships. That's what mature Christians do. I take responsibility for my relationship with my Father in heaven. I take responsibility for my relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ, who has redeemed me. And I take responsibility for my relationship with the Holy Spirit, whom I don't want to grieve with my words or my actions. So I am responsible for my relationship with my Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. My responsibility. And I take that responsibility. I'm responsible completely for my relationship with my wife. Stand up for a second here. There you go. If you all want to meet the most beautiful woman in the world, here you go. There she is. Now you can go home and tell everybody, we met the most beautiful woman in the world. 
Amen. I am 100% responsible for that relationship. At no time can I say, oh, this is your fault why we're not together. Can't do it. It's my responsibility. I'm 100% responsible for my relationship with Rob. As our team leading pastor, elder in this church, I am 100% responsible. And I take that responsibility seriously. I'm 100% responsible for my relationship with Paul. And with the Adipur Church. My responsibility. At no time can I say, oh, you guys made a mistake. I'm finished. I'm gone. Never. I can't say to Rob, oh, you messed up. I'm out of here. Never. Because it's about relationship. I can say to Rob, we have a problem, can we talk about it? That's fine. But leaving? No. Because that's that gap that Jesus Christ came to close. So that we would be one. The world will say, Ike tanga Pay, pay, pay. Which is, this is amazing, amazing. Look how they love each other. Look how they love each other. These people here in Steinbeck. Look how they love each other. These people in Rwanda. These white and black people. They love each other like there's no... The skin color is all the same. And the world will say, this is amazing, amazing stuff. Can I get in on this? When we move downtown and different people, all kinds of people stop in and see us and want to hang out with us, will they find a family that loves each other? They will find a family with problems. Every family has them. So we're going to deny them or we're going to deal, take responsibility for those relationships. I take responsibility 100% for my relationships. Did you know that you can't make me mad? Nobody can make me mad. I may sometimes choose to get mad, but it's my choice. At no time is it acceptable for me to say, you made me mad. No, 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 no. Not acceptable. I take responsibility for how I behave with you and everybody around me. And I can't ever say, you made me do that. How did I make you do that? No. So, it's about relationships and about taking responsibility for those relationships. Every one of us. And God's word instructs us how we need to be together. Lots of times people come to us with a predicament or a problem. And, and, and they might lay it out all this. This is the situation problem. Now what should I do? And I sit there and I say, okay, are you trying to find a loophole in God's word? Or do you really want to do what God wants you to do? What is it? And typically we want to find a loophole. How can I get all God's blessing and favor and all this stuff and still do what I want to do? So what is it we want? Do we want God's way and what God wants or do we want to find a loophole? I believe 95% of all the choices that we make on this planet, we have clear instructions from Scripture on what to do. 95%. And you may sit there and say, Ah, Dave, isn't that a bit far? Let me just give you one example and let's see how we do with that one, right? 
do all things without grumbling and complaining. It's a direct command. That's just one. Do all things without grumbling and complaining. So we can examine ourselves. Do I grumble? Do I complain? Mm, that's a, an imperative. Honor your father and your mother so it may go well with you. My parents don't deserve. I remember when my pastor said to me, Dave, do you honor your dad? I said, are you kidding me? I don't honor him. Do you know who my dad was? Clearly you don't know who my dad was. And he says, oh, I'm sorry, Dave. I didn't realize scripture says, honor your father and your mother if you think they deserve it. No. You honor your father and your mother so it may go well with you. It's a direct command. We just don't like it. Okay, so relationships, number one, with God our Father and with each other. And if, and if I take responsibility for my relationship with my Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, when God is the one who initiates relationship, when the Son is the one who gave His life for relationship, when the Holy Spirit says, I want relationship so much with you, I want to live in this house, in this temple... That's where I want to be. And James tells us that the Holy Spirit lusts to be with us. Lusts to fill us. The most powerful, strongest words we could have. So if we begin to pursue the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and take responsibility for the relationship, it'll blow all our fuses. So the second point of it is task. Okay, what are we going to do? It's about being with God. It's about being a Christian. God did not make human doings. He made human beings. Hmm? We need to be, we're, we're created in God's image. and We're saved by grace. We don't have to do anything to be saved. Christ has done everything, everything, everything. And people say, oh, so they don't have to do anything, right? We can just do whatever we want. Don't have to do anything. That's not what I'm saying. We've been created. And there are tasks that have been ordained from before time for us to do. I have created you to do certain things. For tasks and things to do. And the thing that happens is that we become codependent. There's a good clinical, technical word for you that my wife loves to use. And years ago when I first went for help because I was so broken and damaged, I didn't know it. And my pastor says, oh, I know who you are. And he gave me a book to read on codependence. And I thought, oh, wow. Somebody wrote a book about me and didn't even put my name in it. And so what happens is that that, that pastors become codependent and people think pastors need to take care of everybody. It's your job to take care of me. That's a, elder's job is to, to pray, seek God's word and to pray. That's the primary role of an elder in a church. Primary. And when that stops, when the pastors and elders don't do that, is when things go really wonky. In the book of Acts, that was the debate. You guys need to be caring for people. And the apostle says, wait a minute. Our primary function is to be in God's word, reading and praying. And yes, people need to be cared for. We're not insensitive. We have tasks to do. What is your task to do? So the first time we went to Rwanda, eight years ago, we met with the leaders of the church, and they said, can you help us? First of all, they declared that God had sent us to them. You're a prophet from Canada, a messenger from God. Well, I didn't, had never been 
anybody said uh, as a prophet or that we were a prophet. Never, never. That, that was news. We were looking around and saying, who are they talking about? And they said, God has sent you to us here in Rwanda. And the national leaders, Paul is on the national executive in Rwanda, so his predecessors. They said to us, anything the Holy Spirit tells you to do anywhere in Rwanda, the answer is yes. He says, do you know who we are? We're one little chapel in the middle of nowhere. You see, God loves middle of nowhere. God loves nobodies. One of the things they asked for, they says, we need help training, strengthening and equipping and training the pastors. We need help with the children. We've got all these children. We've got no strategy for reaching the children, making disciples of children. We need help with vulnerable people. We need help with... Ed- ed- There's a bunch of things. So Lynn and I looked at each other and we says, oh my, oh my, oh my. We are one, we are just a retired couple from the middle of nowhere. And we started to understand what the boy with the two fish and the three loaves of bread felt like. When Jesus says, does anybody here have any food? And he says, yeah, we got one little boy with two fish and three loaves of bread. And then Jesus says, have him give it to me. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens when we do that together. We don't go to Rwanda to do the job that is their job to do. And they don't come here to do the job that is our job to do. But we're stronger together. So we talk about things, we pray about things, and things change. And five years ago when we first went to Rwanda, or no, pardon me, five years ago, it was taught and believed commonly that any sport was sin. Soccer, all that is sin. And, and girls and women, you couldn't play sport. You, you always had to be wearing the long dress. So we, did, we don't preach about that publicly, but we challenged the top leaders to defend what they're doing and believing from Scripture. And they couldn't. And then we challenged them further. And I had a pen, and one day I, I held the pen. I said, is this good or bad? He said, well, it's a pen. It's a good thing. And then I grabbed the legal representative by the throat, and I did this with the pen. And he said, oh, oops, it's a bad thing. Well, what made it bad? You did. I said, a soccer ball is a soccer ball. You choose, is it good or bad? Then they examined scripture and the top leaders repented. They said, football is not sin anymore. Jean-Paul and I met with two young men. They were phys ed instructors in Rwanda. And then we asked them if they'd be willing to be part of a team that would head up a ministry to bring football into the nation. They they didn't say a word. And then after quite some time, they leaned forward and they said, do the leaders know you're talking to us? We says, yes, why? Well, but because we face church discipline for playing soccer. I said, yes. He says, do they know what you're talking about? <laughs> yes, they have asked us to ask you if you'd be willing to work with the national program. And then they were silent. And I says, why are you silent? And he says, 
I don't want to say anything because surely this is a dream. And if I say something, I'll wake up. We're better together. God brought us to Rwanda so we could be together. So they would love us and we would love them. And we could talk about some difficult things. Like the attitude towards soccer or football. And reaching the children. Now there's a national program, more than 2,500, etc., etc. It's You will see more than 100,000 children come to the Lord within the next three, four years. With the church together. You see, we're better together. We don't go there and do it. It's their job. It's their task to do. They don't sit there and say, okay, will you guys come? And teach our children, will you come? That's how it has often been. Jean-Paul says, we need material to teach them. What have we got? I said, why are you asking me and, and the ambassador's football? You know what you need to do. You have God's word. You write the material. You do it. Oh, we don't do that. Well, it's time you do. So now they do. We're better together. So we have tasks to do. And we need to be clear on what it is that is our task to do. And we don't do each other's task. Why is it in my home sometimes that the garage smells like garbage? Hmm. Why is it sometimes when you get into a car that's parked in the garage and you drive that it smells like garbage and then you smell like, whoever's in the car smells like garbage? Can anybody solve that problem for me? What's that? Get rid of the garbage. I need a new car. Why doesn't somebody get rid of that garbage there? Because it stinks, okay? Whose responsibility is it? It's mine. And if I don't take care of my responsibility, I smell like garbage. A few years ago, we were at a friend's place at a cabin, and they says, can you take this garbage and put it in the bin when you get back to Steinbeck? We said, yes. And we put the garbage in the car, and Lynn took the car home, and I stayed at the lake. And a week later, I come home, and she says, boy, it sure stinks around here. Ow. The whole house seems to stink like garbage. What's going on? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, it's in the trunk, is it? Oh. <laughs> Whose responsibility is it to clean it up? So when we smell the garbage, we need to be gracious in pointing out there's garbage. And sometimes people might need help. And then we need to do that. But it's, it's, there's a task. So we have relationship with God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and each other. And there's tasks, there's things that I need to do and things that you need to do. And then there's provision, there's money. Money is needed for, for so many things. In the end, have you ever seen a, a hearse, a funeral wagon with a U-Haul behind it? You ever seen that? No, why not? What happens to all your stuff? stays here. Many of us live our lives like we think we're going to have a U-Haul behind us. We're not. There's no such thing. 
The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. People are meant to be loved, and money is meant to be used. We will either love money and then use people, or we will love God and people and use money. And the relationships we have with each other, we very quickly find out who we are dealing with. Are we dealing with somebody who wants to love me or wants to get his hands into my pocket? Now, when we're family and together, sometimes, yes, money is worked with together, but it's, it's together. We will always love one another or we will use one another. Exploit or love. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, if we seek God and His kingdom, relationship, He says you cannot love God and money. He says, so, so if you love God, relationship, and money is provision. You can't love both. You have to choose. Healthy relationships. I take responsibility for all my relationships. And Jesus said, you getting tired of this yet? Trying to figure out life? Trying to figure out how to get enough money together for everything? He said, why don't you try it my way, okay? Take my yoke upon you. Do what I ask you to do. Prioritize your relationship with God the Father. Prioritize your relationship with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Prioritize your relationship with each other. And I'll take care of everything. Try it my way, Jesus says. Try it my way. Where do we put our focus and our emphasis? Each of us is responsible to steward well everything that's been entrusted to us. Relationships, gifts, talents, money. I, I sometimes... There's a, young, there's a young lad in our church here at Calvary Chapel that, that just really disturbs me deeply. This young boy. We were in a home for dinner some time ago and I heard some music coming from the other room. And I said, what's that? What's that music I hear from the other room? Somebody's playing a CD. No. What is that? Well, that's our son. That's your son? I couldn't stay at the dinner table. I had to go see. Here's this young kid playing on the guitar like he knows what he's doing. Unbelievable. I taught guitar for 12 years. I never had that student. (laughs) That student didn't need a teacher. That student needs a guitar. But he needs encouragement. He needs encouragement. He needs to be developed. It's a gift, my friends. We need to steward well the gift that is in us and in each other. I want to... uh, Everywhere we are, there's relationships. Church, school, work, missions, charity work, marriage. Everywhere there's relationships. Is our focus on relationships? Or is it on tasks? Or is it on money? Can't be all three. All three are required and necessary. All three are required and necessary. But we need to talk about those things and work them things out together. Now, when our kids, grandkids were over and, and they like to, to whine, 
I don't know if you got kids that like to whine, but our grandkids, when they were younger, they would say, Grandma. And for me, it just bugs us so much when somebody whines, right? Grandma, Carson is bugging me. Grandma, Lincoln is bugging me. Eh. Oh, my. You know, it's one thing for children to whine, but it's adults who whine. We do this. So how do you solve that problem? We, my wife and I discovered how. Let me give you a little hint, okay? There's a little nursery rhyme that solves the problem. And my wife and I sang the whole song to them. And so anytime they were thinking of whining again, we would just start two words into the song. They said, okay, 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 we stop. But I find as adults, this is us. We find somebody to blame, some excuse, some reason to not take responsibility for what is our responsibility. So, Liza comes to Henry and says, Henry, Henry, can you fetch me some water? Can, go ahead, ask, ask the question. Ask, can you fetch me some water? Henry, can you fetch me some water? Well, where is the water? With what shall I fetch it? Dear Liza, dear Liza. <laughs> with what shall I fetch it? Dear Liza, with what? With a bucket, dear Henry. Dear Henry, dear Henry. With a bucket, dear Henry. Dear Henry, with a bucket. Hmm. <laughs> Well, there's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza. There's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza, a hole. Then fix it, dear Henry, dear Henry, then fix it, dear Henry, dear Henry, then fix it. With what shall I fix it, dear Liza, dear Liza? With what shall I fix it, dear Liza, with what? With straw, dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry. With straw, dear Henry, dear Henry, with straw. And the straw is too long, dear Liza, dear Liza. The straw is too long, dear Liza, too long. Then cut it, dear Henry. Then cut it, dear Henry, dear Henry, then cut it. With what shall I cut it? Dear Liza, dear Liza, with what shall I cut it? Dear Liza, with what? With an axe. Dear Henry, dear Henry, with an axe. The axe is too dull, dear Liza. Dear Liza, the axe is too dull. Dear Liza, too dull. Then sharpen it. Dear Henry. With what shall I sharpen it? Dear Liza, dear Liza, with what shall I sharpen it? Dear Liza, with what? With a stone. With a stone. Dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry, with a stone, dear Henry. Dear Henry, a stone. Mm. The stone is too dry, dear Liza. Dear Liza, the stone is too dry, dear Liza, too dry. Then wet it, dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry. With what shall I wet it? Dear Liza, dear Liza, with what shall I wet it? Dear Liza, with what? With water, dear Henry. <sighs> well, where is the water, dear Liza? Dear Liza, where is the water? In a bucket, dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry. 
There's a hole in the bucket. Dear Liza, dear Liza. <laughs> There's a hole in the bucket. <laughs> Thank you. Why don't things happen around us that are our responsibility? Hmm? Why are the relationships that have broken and aren't mended and aren't healed? We've all got excuses upon excuses upon excuses. We were up at the Paw a few weeks ago and we shared this as part of a leadership training. And then for the next two, three days, Jason and Sylvia would say, there's a hole in the bucket. <laughs> there t- people would come, talk about things, and they look at, look at Lynn and me and go, there's a hole in the bucket. <laughs> excuses, 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 excuses. We take responsibility as mature Christians for our relationships with the Lord, for the tasks that we do, for our relationships with each other, for the money that has been entrusted to us, and we talk things through. And we own what we can own. And we have the absolute assurance that the one who is in charge of everything, we can have his ear anytime we want. And I'm okay with that. We have an election coming up. Lynn and I have already voted. We voted already. And so each of us should vote. Who you vote for, I don't care. It's God who will choose our government. God chooses every leader. He invites us to participate, but he chooses. And our job is to submit and pray for them. That's it. So Rob is going to wrap us up here with an application that is most appropriate. Or I will pray. If the Holy Spirit's touched something inside of you today, about something in your life that you know is not right, and you're content to leave it not right, and if He's saying, look, it's time that gets straightened out. Why not straighten that out? Why not? Because that's why Christ went to the cross. In John 17, he prayed, Father, may they be one as you and I are one. Before he died, may there be the unity of the body that we experience in the Son and the Holy Spirit and the Father. May we be one. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your grace and mercy and your love to us. Thank you for your word, revealed, printed, manifested in Jesus Christ. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that comes and lives in us. Thank you, Father, for our family here and around the world. Lord, may we be one. May we be an answer to Jesus' prayer and practice this business of being one and unity here with the people in our room that are next to us. And then around the world, your kingdom come, your will be done. Amen.